Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, I'm Andy Murray, and you're listening to The Tennis Podcast. come to you from the media restaurant which is all of a buzz after the first of the two semi-finals at the O2 Arena we will be back don't forget don't worry we will be back after Djokovic against Anderson as well but we felt as though we just had to touch on everything that has just happened in Roger Federer against Alexander Zverev in which Zverev has been victorious in straight sets but that doesn't really tell the story. 7-5-7-6 was the scoreline. But Grad Matt is here. Simon Briggs of The Telegraph is here. A lot has just happened, Simon. We have had, just to run you through it. First of all, I mean, Zverev played very well today. Very well. Um, he won that first set 7-5, which was on serve all the way through. Then there was the break right at the end. Started the second, Federer got a break, started playing some, some glorious tennis for a few points, immediately broken back, went into a tie break, and then at 4-3 to Federer, a rally ensued, Federer hit a big backhand, seemed to be in charge of the rally, Zverev pulled out of the rally, pulled away from it, and alerted Federer and umpire Carlos Bernardes's attention down to Federer's end of the court where a ball kid had dropped a ball mid-rally stopped the rally umpire asked the ball kid if that had happened that the ball kid had dropped the ball Federer queried it as well yes said the ball kid they replayed the point Zverev hit an ace went on to win the match interview afterwards with Annabelle Croft Zverev clearly had this on his mind apologised for, for what had happened crowd started booing him Annabelle Croft then ticked them all off and said he's right you know and I really feel like you shouldn't be booing him show a bit more respect what an afternoon we've had Simon what, what's your take well uh, a much more uh, proactive response from Annabelle comparing the situation than we had at the US Open <laughs> in a similar Circumstances. It wasn't quite as extreme a situation, was it, um, as it was at the US Open? I mean, here you felt that people were annoyed. There you felt that somebody might literally be ripped limb from limb. It was like uh, the Colosseum. Yeah. So, I, I, to be honest, I was running down the stairs. I mean, I watched the uh, crucial point from the stadium. I was right behind Zverev when it happened, so I had kind of his eye view. 
Um, and then I was running down the stairs, and then I heard the booing sort of through the the corridor echoing down to me. So the final details of that stage, I had to catch up on via the TV replays. Um, but yeah, an extraordinary way to finish, and a, a decent news story from the point of view of a of a rugged old hack like me. <laughs> Actually, it was one. Of, were you in the stadium for for the match? I was. Yeah. yeah. It, it seemed to me I was at the back of our commentary box to give updates into Five Lives coverage actually of the rugby at the time and, and they came over to me just as the booing started in that post-match interview and I said said what I was hearing. The interesting thing was when I watched the clips back on TV afterwards, the booing didn't sound anywhere near as loud as it does when you're actually in the stadium. The same sort of feeling struck me when I was at the US Open uh, during that, that, that incident with Serena Williams. What was your take on it all? Well, firstly... Thank goodness we've got a match to that we can get our teeth into at last in this <laughs> tournament. The round-robin stage is over, we're at the knockout stage, and things have picked up. Um, my, my initial reaction when it happened was, oh, what's, what's Ray have done? Because I thought that was an umpire's call uh, with the sort of hindrance, and I thought things could get a bit sticky here. And, um, and actually, I thought Bernard, Carlos Bernardes, seems to always be an umpire called Carlos, stuck in these situations... <laughs> Um, handled it quite well and Federer went over to the ball boy and asked him about it and they seemed to deal with it quite well and interestingly um, Frederick Nielsen's been on Twitter in the aftermath saying how it happens all the time on the Futures Tour, the Challengers Tour where a ball might come in from an opposing court or something like that that the umpire doesn't see and the player stops it and Frederick Nielsen said the umpire almost always in that situation says well, tough, I didn't see it, it's my call. However, he has seen a few where if, if the ball boy's been involved, the ball boy's admitted it and the umpire's overturned the call and there's been a replay of the point like there was here. Um, so, so my take on it was actually the actual players handled it very well, the umpire handled it very well. It was just a real shame that the crowd got out of hand. Even more inexplicable, I think, because the umpire explained what happened very clearly. They weren't booing at that point, they all heard it. Um, and then, very unfortunate and kind of really just unfair on Zverev that it carried on mm. into the interview. It, he came into the press conference afterwards. I think I think we were all curious as to whether Federer would be irritated at all, whether he might have thought that there was any bad sportsmanship on play in, in play there at all. He was quite quick to say, "Look, Alexander Zverev apologised to me immediately," and I said, "Look, there's nothing to." Apologise for it's fine. What, what was your, what was your take of the the press conferences afterwards? Well, I asked him the first question. I said, "Did it bother or affect you?" And he said, "What are you talking about? Obviously, it affected me. He aced me." Huh? Um, and I said, "Well, yeah, but did it um, upset you? Did you think it was handled correctly?" And he said, "Well, I was trying to think what I would have done if I had been in his shoes." And I think it was a kind of ballsy call to interrupt the point because the umpire might have said well I didn't see it um, and then you know, the, the question was then clarified a couple of times with further inquiries from reporters he said you know, there's no question about sportsmanship I've got no issue with Zverev he said uh, he was asked if he'd spoken to the ball boy and he said yeah he's coming over for dinner <laughs> um, and then uh, and then said no he was joking and um and followed up by saying, you know, I did ask him, he said he'd, he'd uh, dropped it and, uh, you know, no problem from my end, I hope he doesn't have a sleepless night. Yes. I think he will. Yeah. <laughs> I know I would, I'd be absolutely 
beside myself. I mean, I was, I was hoping as I, as I went down the stairs, I was really wondering in my head, how much am I going to focus on, the, on that ball kid in my piece? And then the booing rather took it out of my hands. It became mm. a much bigger story because of the crowd reaction. And it's so unusual to get uh, an on-court interviewer who actually will take on a crowd like that. I mean, I've, I've seen Sue Barker do it once in a slightly more gentle way when we had the David Nalbandian situation at Queen's. I think it was that one. And, and eventually... She, she was just trying to get people to, to be quiet and, and let people explain because I think when Marin Cilic was speaking on that day they were still booing and, and she said no no come on you know, he's, he hasn't done anything wrong um, and, and Annabelle Croft she, I, I'm not surprised actually when I think of, of her as an individual because I commentated on a match at the US Open this year between I think it was Madison Keys uh, maybe against Elise Mertens or someone like that and and it was one of those nights where the crowd has just come out for a, for a night out, and and they're, they're here. They've got Novak Djokovic next. Nobody was taking any notice of the match in front of them whatsoever. They were sipping champagne, they were chatting, they were having a big old catch up. It seemed to me, and it, it was just this general hubbub, and it was really uncomfortable because it felt really rude to the players. And and Annabelle sitting next to me, and every so often she would turn off her microphone and she'd say, "I think this is outrageous. I think these people are out of order. If I was this umpire, I would be telling this lot to be quiet and show some respect." And I thought. Well, you know, I could actually probably believe you would, and, and I think after tonight, we know she would because. That, but that's what was required, wasn't it? That that actually then roused the rest of the crowd to sort of give Zverev a standing ovation. Well, I've got to say that I was running down the stairs again, so I, I haven't heard it live. I've only seen the transcript of what she said. Um, it was certainly well received. Uh, as far as I can tell from everybody who did watch it live, even the tournament director gave her a, a thumbs up, didn't he? Adam Hogg and said that it was an astonishingly disappointing reaction, which was, yeah. <laughs> it was that that quote was did raise a few eyebrows in the press room on the basis that uh, you know there's some top dollar coming in from the the, the guys who are in the stadium. They might have earned their right to uh, free speech, whether we like it or not. Mm. Um, I, I mean, all I did was compare the response from Alan Bell in my piece to Katrina Adams who said uh, this is not the outcome we were hoping for yes. at the US Open I mean it's, a, it's been rather um, turned into a, a point on which Katrina Adams has been attacked ever since you can sort of see what she was trying to get at but people have read it as we wanted Serena to win. I mean, she probably just meant didn't yeah. want it to end in, in this rather kind of thirsty way. I wouldn't have read her no, words I think, I think in that it's, way. It's, but, uh, but, I, but I think she let herself down in other ways, to be honest, in, in well, the Her aftermath. later comments, yeah. yeah. Anyway, we're not talking about that so much, but it, it, the parallels, I guess, were, were a little too obvious to ignore. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, we've spent nine minutes, 50 seconds talking about this incident because it, it, it dominates, really. It, it's not every day you get a situation like that. The tennis that unfolded in front of us, what, what did you make of it, Matt? I thought it was clear quite early on that Zverev was playing a lot better than he was earlier on in the tournament. Uh, he was striking the ball with a lot more purpose, a lot more intent. And he said afterwards in his press he had a very clear game plan to be aggressive against Federer. And I do, I do wonder, you know, that is how you beat Federer. You, you have to take charge because otherwise you, you play on his terms and he, he does what he wants with you, really. Um, and he played really well. He served really well. He was, 
I think I think his average first serve speed in the first set was over 130 miles this an hour. This is the thing. I, I, I thought earlier on in the tournament, and it may be the case, that, that there is a fast gun here. Yeah. I, I've seen it in the past. I've certainly seen people get records when, you know, there's no way they normally hit it that fast. Here, at the start of this week, when he was hitting 140, then 141 in back-to-back yeah. serves, and he doesn't... I've not really been aware of him doing that in the past. I thought, that's that's not realistic. Then you see another couple of guys like Anderson and, and Isner just heaving the ball down and not getting it as fast. It made me feel like, well, this is legitimate. Mm. It seems like he's added something to this serve, and he does it just with a kind of almost a cricketer's bowling arm. He just sort of rolls it over and gets an explosion of pace, doesn't he? But my takeaway from Zverev serving at this tournament hasn't been so much the speed. It's been the fact that I don't think people are reading him. Uh, Novak said that he found it much harder to know where the ball was going against Zverev than he did against Isner, for instance. Um, and for somebody like Federer, that's a big deal. It was funny in the first set because he felt that they, they were almost both had the same game plan in the sense that Zverev wanted to come forward and, and, and Federer wanted Zverev to come yes, forward yes. Mm. so they were <laughs> like working towards the same end which was Federer sort of trying to tweak little dipping balls past uh, Zverev or put them on his shoelaces or just um, mess up his rhythm and Zverev was almost like yeah okay let's play that way I'm going to show you that I can play these volleys and he did volley decently didn't he not I wouldn't say it was a it wasn't overwhelmingly clean he's not got wonderful hands at the net but it was good enough and it was better than usual for him at, yeah. at the net I would say and and he actually won 12 more points than Federer did overall and bearing in mind that the scoreline was actually quite close that's that's a fairly large margin quite a big disparity it kind of reminded me of that uh, Mario match against Federer at the Australian Open a few years ago the sort of five set thrashing it was you know it wasn't this wasn't a a yes. thrashing in any way but it was I remember that one that was in 2013 13, you yeah. always felt like Mario was on top in that match and Federer was keeping mm. it close it, to me it felt similar today it felt like Zverev was the better player do you not there. feel therefore that we have just seen the first sign of Ivan Lendl's impact here because that was an Ivan Lendl coach Andy Murray that day in Australia the match you described what I thought watching today was a beefier it, Alexander Zverev I think everything he hit was hit with intent intent to hurt and if you think back to the Wimbledon final which is the one I was thinking of at the time of 2012 when Murray came out he bullied Roger Federer for an hour he threw him about with it. every time there was a ball there to be hit he went after it there were n- and today there were not too many rallying balls from Alexander Zverev just to keep the rally going he was, hit, he was hitting shots mm. to hurt. Well, he does have a weighty game from the back. But yes, I think you're right. The self-belief today was outstanding, wasn't it? Because I, th- I, I actually, I felt Roger was a better player for the first 10 games, maybe. I would, have, I would have picked Roger at that stage, but, but Zverev never, never was cowed, never went away, never seemed to doubt himself. But he was doing it with talent, Federer, and tactics. He was playing almost like John McEnroe used to play, mm. of different ball every yeah, shot. Yeah, he just totally mess you up, and, and yeah. Zverev was like, I'm going to keep on coming. And then Federer kind of blew up. I felt there were 20 bad minutes. I mean, like you say, there was, he dropped, uh, got, lost a set broke back one really good game and then he had another really sh- he had a shocker, shocker. yeah uh, so th- for those 20 minutes he, I don't know what happened in his head like it felt like he went on holiday in his head for those 20 minutes even though there was one really good game in that mm. run and then he sort of played okay and, and it was even Stephen from there again I reckon those 12 points 
uh, that the margins might have happened in that 20 minutes part, yeah, because he was he was getting um, beaten to love in Zverev's service games in that period and yeah. he got broken himself twice although he did get one break against the run of that 20 minutes it was a complicated um, passage of play in terms of the dynamic but I don't know what happened in his head there because mm. I thought he'd been playing pretty well and, and I thought although Zverev was dealing well with the game plan he, I still would have backed Federer after 10 games to, to keep hit him unsettled and then it just kind of blew up mm. just, just two things one on the Lendl point those matches we've mentioned obviously Lent, with Murray Lendl is a common denominator but also Federer both those matches were against Federer and I think players can create a bit of a game plan to disrupt Federer um, to, to really sort of go after him really it doesn't always work you have to execute it really well um, well, there's a few a few bits of evidence this year alone, aren't there? Indeed, and I think if we're looking ahead, I don't want to talk too much about the final because we don't know the opponent yet. But if it is Djokovic, it's much harder to come up with a game plan to hurt mm. to hurt Djokovic for Zverev, I think. Um, but we'll come to that if we need to. Just on Federer, he has he has lost a lot of matches this year that have been very very tight. You think of the Indian Wells final he lost a match point to Del Potro same again in Miami to Kokinakis he was tight lost at Wimbledon from match point up Paris against Djokovic and now this one here okay he didn't have match point but it was very tight and you just feel in those in those big moments for me it's the serve mm. where's the serve when he when he really needs yeah, it he, how he, many times when he's at his it? best he will just roll through a game won't he yeah or if he, even serve. if he's in a bit of trouble he finds his serve and he, he found it right at the I think at 4-5 in the yeah. second set he served quite well when he was under pressure but that was really the only time other than that kind of deserted him and he was he was under 60% for the match and actually in every match this tournament he was under 60% and that's been a theme in the second half of the season in, in, but one thing I would just like to raise was the uh, the amusing press conference Zverev gave after his third uh, round robin match where he said you boys think my forehand is absolute crap yeah because it almost seemed like he was making a point with it today. He yeah. really went after the forehand, didn't he? Yeah. Well, I, yeah. He, went, he went after it cross, but, and he went after it on the but, line. But this is what I think Lendl does to his pupils. It's, it's what he did with, with Murray. He got him to go cross-court a lot with it. thought Murray's forehand was absolute crap by the standards of every other every shot other. He, Murray had. Do he you just, remember? Yeah. He just and then made the Murray. forehand became an asset yeah. during the Lendl years. Well, he, he would become almost muscular with it. He would say, uh, I am just going to take you on. At every opportunity and, with that forehand. And if, and if Zverev's forehand is that strong as it was today, where do you go against him? Because his backhand is, is unbelievable. Well, how, unbelievable. How about backhand. that off-pace sliced backhand halfway up the court, cross-court, that Federer hit in one really extended good rally, and it's just asking the question. It's saying, you know, you, some people might think that's a short ball, but a lot of the time it's just a junk nightmare ball that you can't really do anything with. Mm. Zverev just sort of took two paces up to it and swept it down the line for a that's clean winner. That's geometry. I mean, that is technically a killer shot. The ball's so low, the net's close to you. You've got to get it up at pace and then rip it with enough spin from low to get it down again. Yeah, to hit I mean, a winner to with do that. that in a double-handed backhand, uh, that, I mean, his mechanics are unbelievable. It is, it is potentially, that is potentially one of the best backhands we've ever seen. It's like Novak's any faster. I mean, I've, I've thought yeah. that ever since I saw it. Hmm. Um, you, you, we've talked about Federer in the press comments. Zverev, when he was with Anna Bogcroft, who who did help him out down there, he... 
he was a bit lost for words. He was taken aback by that whole situation. He didn't, and who wouldn't be? I mean, he, he would never have experienced anything like that. It was not quite as extreme, but it was a little bit like the look in Osaka's eyes of, mm. of just, well, what have I done? What, what do I do now? In the press conference, he, he admitted, he said, I was quite upset, actually, in the locker room. Uh, you know, it, it's, it, it obviously did hurt him because um, he was trying to work out, have I done something really wrong here? And, and just for a few minutes, that, that sort of too cocky facade of his that I think does rub people up the wrong way because he hasn't... You know, your colleague Oliver Brown wrote a piece about him, which is, yeah. which is a fascinating read, and I do urge people to read it with an open mind, whether you agree with it or not, about how here's a guy who, who gives off the big I am mm. when he hasn't actually done anything yet. And, and uh, look, I don't mind admitting, he winds me up sometimes, yet I do. I also love it. I, I'm sort of quite conflicted on, on Alexander Zverev. But I think today we saw, we saw another side to him maybe that, we, that he won't allow us to see a lot of the time. Yeah, well, when I finally got down from the stairs, <laughs> I seem to spend more time on the stairs than Sylvester Stallone in Rocky. But when I, when I finally got down, I, um, he was still talking. The, the kind of booze had died down a little bit and he looked very kind of taken aback and quite um, humble. I mean, humble isn't the word that we normally associate with Alexander Zverev, but that was how he came across. And, and that's, um, to his credit, I would say, that was a good way of dealing with the situation. He could have kind of puffed his chest out and, and uh, you know, gone into that stroppy mode, but he didn't. He, he kind of went a bit quiet and, and um, taken aback, as you say. And, uh, yeah, I think... That was a different side of him, and it, 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 it felt like the right thing, maybe, in a situation, yes. not to be too bolshy. Yeah, what, what I like about him, and I like for the future, is that here we have a player that we've talked about for a long time as a potential world number one and somebody who may well dominate the game. But I, I like the fact that he is not worried about who he upsets. I mean, I think actually in that instance he showed that he was worried about it. But well, that's a crowd. I mean, that's a very yeah. different thing. But, but in he every, took on Sitsipas. Yeah, exactly. Early in the week. And don't you just? I mean, look, I don't. We, we've stuck up for Sitsipas in the past and said, oh, and I do believe this. Let him, let him be what he is. He's a different. He's a different kind of guy altogether. It is quite a delicious thought for the future, isn't it? <laughs> if, if, oh, yeah. you know, they really don't like each other. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm convinced of that. There's no manufacturing going on there. And they are, su- they are such sort of alpha males in the type of way they carry themselves. Of, of They want to be the, the cock of the street, really, both of them. And they firmly believe that that's what they are. Um, and Kachanov, you know, yeah. he's, he's not necessarily a guy who's going to take too many backwards no, steps. Well, and he's quieter about it. And he's the sort of kid that you could imagine gets mildly bullied at school and pushed around and doesn't say anything back. And then one day he just flattens the bully, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and then it all changes. Do you not think? Uh, uh, thoughts, Matt? Yeah. What, I do, d- what I do you d- think is Verev? From what you've seen so far this week, to be honest, I've always been, I've always been a bit more glove. I don't know. I guess glass half full than perhaps you have with him. Um, I like him. I think I, th- I did wonder in that moment whether, kind of for Osaka at the U.S. Open, I was think she will always now have the crowd on her side because people are going to know about that moment. I don't think this moment with Zverev will quite have the same impact as that, but it might win over a few people the way he... I'd say so. A few, the way a few he, will warm to him from yeah, today. Yeah, the way he dealt with it. As Simon said, it was, you know, he was quite humble about it and he just dealt with it well. Um, and also, to be honest, 
the fact that he called it in the first place I like that you know I, I can imagine some players would have perhaps seen the ball out the corner of their eye oh the umpire's not called it I'm playing Federer it's in the it's 4-3 in the tie break I'm just going to let this go lose the point move on but Zverev was straight in there and stepped up and fair play to him I like that and he was right he but was that, right but that's you know the way in which sport does reveal character isn't it yeah I mean if that had been Kyle Edmund do you think he would have stopped I don't know that's that's a that's very a good interesting question. one yeah I, I, I still think back to when Kyle Edmund um, had that row with the umpire in the semi-final and and it, and it it was what I described it as a very polite mild-mannered McEnroe moment <laughs> and and he then launched one of the hardest returns I've ever seen in the next point out of just sheer fury. Mm. Um, but but I know what you mean. There are a lot. You are right. There are a lot of people against Federer who would be a little bit too subservient and polite in that situation. Just just to finish off, um, we'll come back for for the second uh, semi final. But Jamie Murray today, alongside Bruno Suarez, up against Jack Sock and Mike Bryan. One of the matches of the week. Probably the best match I've seen all week. We, we commentated on it together, Simon. Eventually, it was won by Sock and Brian in a, a match tie-break. That had everything as a doubles match, didn't it? Yeah, and I was quite um, glad that Jamie came into the press room and he wasn't at all down on himself. He said, look, we played a good match. You know, Jack Sock was world-class today. Um, he was like a, a gorilla sometimes. He was charging the net and he, just, he seemed to be just totally filling the entire court he's a big lad and he he was using his, his power he had finesse when he wanted it he had reactions it's funny to, you know Mike Bryan half of the best doubles team the world has ever seen and he's not the strong partner on the team it's extraordinary yeah he, he was the he, perfect foil yeah Sock has that amazing ability to just you know it's four players on a doubles court but you're just you're just drawn to Sock because he just takes over whether it be a forehand or a volley or he did amazing little flick pass he, he, he did in the oh, match tie break yes that, that one when it, the ball was behind him and he, he got yeah. it across his body and at the moment he made contact with the ball he was suddenly open yeah. out with in awe at his yeah. own brilliance and he so can, that was a bit of, sh- of showboating <laughs> um, but I mean you know that's, that's a touch wrist flick on the forehand where normally he's all kind of I don't know how you describe those inverted forehands but they are normally power rather than touch aren't they they, they, they're not normally a finesse shot so to change in that instant to play the finesse shot was impressive and you know to the point of view of your eye being drawn to him well everyone else was wearing navy or black (laughs) and he was wearing luminous orange but but I must say also (laughs) on um Mike Bryant pulled off an unbelievable sort of 360 volley as well. Oh, yeah. I mean, the pair of them together in that tie break, as you said, Jamie Murray and Bruno Suarez didn't do a lot wrong and they just Crack took the match from them really good. Actually, actually, Jamie said, you know, he said exactly what we were saying, which is rather reassuring. He said, <laughs> great match, four different styles of player. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Well, we have. We've enjoyed our afternoon. No doubt we'll enjoy the evening. We'll come back and tell you all about it in a couple of seconds. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. 
Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hello, Tennis Podcast listeners. David here. Now, you might know that I love a bit of cooking, and I think I'm quite good at it. But if I'm honest, even I get fed up trying to work out what to do every night. That's where Home Chef comes in being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and the cook times, well, that's pretty cool. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs, so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering tennis podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right. Well, some hours later, and I've just walked back into the media restaurant where Grad Matt is sitting here. We have, we've got a beer open, and we need a beer open tonight to try to settle down and understand what we've just witnessed. Because I think the first thing we did when we sat here, Matt, is shake our heads and in, in bewilderment mm. at the level. I think at the level of tennis that Novak Djokovic has just produced, he's he's won through six two six two against Kevin Anderson, who's a mightily good tennis player. He's beaten him 6-2-6-2 in an hour and 15 minutes. And it was an utter, it was no contest because Djokovic was just too good. I mean, am I, am I over-egging it? No, I don't think so. It was an absolute clinic tonight from Djokovic. I kept thinking of that quote that he, he's come up with a few times where he says, if you strive for perfection, you can reach excellence. And that just struck me tonight because the number of times he was almost getting a little bit irritated with himself when he wasn't returning an Anderson serve that was 138 miles an hour. That was that was the level he was expecting from him tonight. And he just handled Anderson so easily, broke him in the first game, and from there he was away. And if you think the three the three sort of pillars of of a tennis player's game is their serve, their return and their ground game, Djokovic has his average he's reached the final here averaging less than one one point dropped per service game he's barely losing points on his serve he won half the points on Kevin Anderson's serve tonight so he completely negated Anderson's biggest weapon and his ground game he was so loose and just ripping winners from the baseline and it was yeah. it was unbelievable that that looseness I think it is noticeable notable mm. because he, he, he's, he doesn't muscle the ball. He he just unscrews this wind up, mm. and off it goes. You know, it's it's it it really. I, I was there just trying to explain to somebody who who doesn't know that much about tennis in, in the commentary box. I was off commentary during the second set of it, and I, I said the thing is, 
it's not like he's beating you up with a blunt instrument mm. it, he, he, he's like watching a samurai just just lacerating you i know that sounds a bit gory but 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 that's the sort of effect his tennis strokes have and crikey i yeah. mean I, I really i felt for kevin anderson because he was made to look cumbersome and an ordinary and he's he's anything but those things no absolutely and he I did think in the first set he was he just he wasn't getting enough first serves and he was under fifty percent. So I thought, right, come on, Kevin, let, let's up it in the second set. He did. He went up to almost sixty-five percent and he still got absolutely hammered. So I did feel for him. And Djokovic, he just was just controlling the middle of the court and spreading the play. It was it was breathtaking stuff. Mm. It really was. But based on what you've seen today. If Zverev brings his best, will that make a difference? Will that could that could that take this match? Do you think from Djokovic? What do you think? I think if I think if Djokovic brings his best, he's going to win, even if Zverev plays his best. Um, I think Zverev's best will push Djokovic more than we've seen this tournament, but it's very hard to see Djokovic losing tomorrow based I, on I think that Djokovic tonight. is playing better now than he did two years ago maybe that's just recency bias I mean I think back to some of those performances the way he just ripped he, I think he laid down 6-1 sets at the start of the 2016 yeah, season on Nadal, Federer and Marion that, that, that was for yeah. me that was perhaps a slightly higher level yeah. mainly because of the calibre of opponent and the stage he was and doing the stage, that at the Australian exactly. Open and things like that wasn't he but for sure he's getting very close I think mm. he's certainly playing at a higher level now than he was even when he won Wimbledon in the US Open I think he's, yeah. he is looking so good yeah we, we had the doubles tonight as well I have to just tell you that, that right next to our commentary box was a little hospitality box full of Colombian fans cheering on Juan Sebastian Cabal and I can't remember the chap's name Farah mm. I can't remember his first name Robert I think um, mm. and they were making the biggest racket you've ever heard in your life it was fantastic atmosphere but in the end Pierre Hugo Bear and Nicola Mahou won through so they faced Jack Sock and Mike Bryan yeah and the interesting thing on Mahou and Air Bear I was looking a little bit at their stats that was the first time they'd won a deciding sort of match tie break since February they'd lost six six in a row I think so that was big for them wow. to, to come through that, that, big. that match big. tie break right so one more day, Matt. One more day. One more podcast. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then, uh, and then we're off to uh, to to go and cover the Davis Cup final. Davis Cup final. That's yeah. where you'll be going. Yeah. So that's uh, that's all to come. Uh, yes, we will have daily shows from the Davis Cup final. We will also um, be planning for next year. We we we're not going anywhere. We hope. Uh, we need your help. Um, we're hoping that you can help us to to fund the tennis podcast in 2019 the way you have the last two years. We're going to run a, a Kickstarter crowdfunding campaign from um, certainly from the the start of December. Uh, we'll be doing that, and uh, yeah, we plan to to do as many podcasts as we possibly can. Um, so that has been the tennis podcast um, for today. Uh, I have, however, just very quickly, Matt, been appealing. For questions for you yes. because I, I thought I'm worried about this I know well <laughs> calm down uh, I thought you know people are just sort of getting to know student Matt stroke grad Matt stroke his real name 
is Matthew Roberts. Um, so there you are. You've already got some information about about Matt here. But I thought, you know, let, let's let's see if you can uh, maybe ask one or two questions and find out what you are what you want to know about Matt. So I'm just going to bring up my tweet here and I put out yesterday and uh, see what you've got in store for Grad Matt. Right, Dan Connolly wants to know, what is your favourite Grand Slam to watch and why? Oh, blimey. Um, my favourite would probably be the Australian Open. Um, I actually wrote, I think I wrote a blog about this, which is available on, on the Tennis Podcast website. Um, good plug, good plug. Yeah. Um, I just think, start the season, the players are fresh. I think hardcore, for me, is probably the most interesting surface to watch because it's it's the best leveller um, and in recent years it's been quite f- reasonably fast I quite like a fast hardcore and also it's the only one I've not been to so I don't have any sort of preconceptions or I, have, I, I haven't been able to judge it in any way I just it, it is it is just what I think it is and in my yes. mind it's probably the best you have a mystical view exactly so you're dissing Wimbledon I'm not dissing Wimbledon <laughs> <laughs> I am a troublemaker, you do understand this. You are, You've been David. listening long enough. Right, okay, that's your question for today. One a day is all I'm saying to you. Uh, get your questions in uh, for Grad Matt at Tennis Podcast. We're going to go and have a beer. That was a really boring answer, wasn't it? No, I quite liked it. I quite liked it. I'm with you. I know, I know where we are now, all okay. right? Australian Open. Don't talk about the US Open. <laughs> It'll bring you out in, uh, in anger. Um, we're going to be back tomorrow. Uh, we are being executive produced by Melanie Bowes, Triple S, TennisBalls.com, sponsored by La Manga Club, and mascot is Charlie the Ferret we're producing in association with The Telegraph and we'll be back tomorrow for the final we'll see you then Normally being a little extra might be a bit much but not when it comes to healthcare that's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company supplement your primary plan so you manage out of pocket costs learn more at UH1.com Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com.